to Good Friday. Today we want to celebrate and remember what happened on the cross. We don't worship the cross, but the cross symbolizes something significant that we believe in. That the Son of God, Jesus Christ, perfect man, perfect God, died for our sins. And so today we stop and we just let that soak in. Um, now, of course, we, we know there's a, a, something happened on Sunday, but that's not, we're, we're not looking ahead to that. We're just going to sit in the moment of, of, of Good Friday because a significant price was paid for us, and we want to remember that. We want to focus on that. Paul would write Timothy and say, give attention to the public t reading of Scripture. So today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to let Luke, the gospel writer, tell the story of Jesus Christ, and different people are going to come up and read it. We're going to sit and we're going to listen to the words of the Lord. We're going to let the words of our King speak to us as we come. And as you notice at the end of this service, we're going to come and we're going to celebrate communion together. This is where those who believe in this Savior, Jesus Christ, acknowledge and, and proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so that's going to happen at the end. But as we begin, I want, you, I want to read from Isaiah chapter 53. Hundreds of years before Christ was even born, this was prophesied concerning him. Hear the word of the Lord, Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot. Like a root in dry ground, there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down, and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before its shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong, had never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But... It was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet, when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all their sins. I will give him the honor of a victorious soldier, because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. Would you stand with me as we say the Lord's Prayer as we begin our service together? Let's pray together. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Remain standing as Graham leads us in our opening song. first reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22. Then accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not give into temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. 
Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. At last he stood up again and returned to the disciples, only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not give into temptation. But, but even as Jesus said this, a crowd approached, led by Judas, one of the disciples. Judas walked over to Jesus to greet him with a kiss. But Jesus said, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? When the other disciples saw what was about to happen. They exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? We brought the swords. And one of them struck at the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear. But Jesus said, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus spoke to the leading priests, the captains of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him. Am I some dangerous revolutionary, he asked, that you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there every day. But this is your moment, the time when the power of darkness reigns. Luke 22, 54 to 71. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home. 
and Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No man, I'm not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you are talking about. And immediately while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard, weeping bitterly. The guards in charge of Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and said, prophesy to us, who hit you that time? And they hurled all sorts of terrible insults at him. At daybreak, all the elders of the people assembled, including the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law. Jesus was led before this high council, and they said, tell us, are you the Messiah? But he replied, if I tell you, you won't believe me. And if I ask you a question, you won't answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated in the place of power at God's right hand. They all shouted, so you are claiming to be the Son of God. And he replied, you say that I am. Why do we need other witnesses, they said. We ourselves heard him say it. This song is a, an older hymn uh, written in the 1800s, and it may not be f uh, familiar, but it's got a very catchy melody, so I'm sure you'll catch on very soon. from 
chapter 23, 1 to 12. Then the entire council took Jesus to Pilate, the Roman governor. They began to state their case. This man has been leading our people astray by telling them not to pay their taxes to the Roman government and by claiming he is the Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus replied, you have said it. Pilate turned to the leading priests in the crowd and said, I find nothing wrong with this man. Then they became insistent. But he is causing riots by his teaching wherever he goes, all over Judea, from Galilee to Jerusalem. Oh, is he a Galilean, Pilate asked. When they said that he was, Pilate sent him to Herod Antipas, because Galilee was under Herod's jurisdiction, and Herod happened to be in Jerusalem at the time. Herod was delighted at the opportunity to see Jesus, because he had heard about him and had been hoping for a long time to see him perform a miracle. He asked Jesus question after question, but Jesus refused to answer. Meanwhile, the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law stood there shouting their accusations. Then Herod and his soldiers began mocking and ridiculing Jesus. Finally, they put a royal robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. Herod and Pilate, who had been enemies before, became friends that day. Let's stand again. I'm accepted, you were condemned, I'm alive and well, your 
sing that again. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were Luke 23, 13 to 25. Then Pilate called together the leading priests and the other religious leaders along with the people. And he announced his verdict. You brought this man to me accusing him of leading a revolt? I have examined him thoroughly on this point and in your presence and find him innocent. Innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing, nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty. So, I will have him flogged and then I will release him. 
Then a mighty roar rose from the crowd, and with one voice they shouted, Kill him and release Barabbas to us. Barabbas was in prison for taking part in an insurrection in Jerusalem against the government and for murder. Pilate argued with them. Pilate argued with them because he wanted to release Jesus. But they kept, kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he demanded, why? What crime has he committed? I have found no reason to sentence him to death. So I will have him flogged and then I will release him. But the mob shouted louder and louder, demanding that Jesus be crucified and their voices prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die as they demanded. As they had requested, he released Barabbas, the man in prison for insurrection and murder, and murder. But he turned Jesus over to them to do as they wished. Let's stand.
Luke 23, 26 to 48. As they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldiers seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For the days are coming when they will say, Fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, the wombs that have not borne children, and the breasts that have never nursed. People will beg the mountain to fall on us and plead with the hills, bury us. For if these things are done when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leaders scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he is really God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened to the cross above him with these words. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. By this time it was noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshipped God and said, Surely, this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. Let's stand again.
Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the Father turns His face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory behold the man upon a cross my sin upon his shoulders Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me. Thank you, Graham, for leading us. Thank you for your participation, children, adults singing together, listening to God's word together. And I hope as we moved and we moved right to the death of Christ and Luke's account that you, you got a sense for what was, what was happening on Good Friday. And what we discover is many different responses to Jesus that we too could also have today. I mean, the first response we see is Judas's response, right? Jesus is an opportunity for him to, to profit personally, so he's willing to betray Jesus to give himself a little bit of extra money. As he watches Jesus, and he's like, you know, this train is derailing, and I'm going to get off and, and get what I can get out of it before it, it totally crashes, and, and this whole movement just burns up in flames because it didn't turn out the way he thought it was going to turn out. And that moment of selfishness... And faithlessness, Judas is willing to sell out Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Or your response could be like Peter. Where you like Jesus, you're attracted to Jesus, but when push comes to shove and when the, when the heat goes up, you deny him. No, 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 I don't know that man. 
But Jesus knew Peter. And as he stands there, he looks at Peter as he denies him for the third time. The rooster's crowing. And there's Peter looking at Jesus, their eyes locked. Probably the most penetrating gaze that Peter ever saw in his whole life. Probably never, ever forgot it. We could be like that. We can come to Good Friday and sort of be like, wow, that's, I don't really, you know, I like it, but I'm I'm not really going to identify with that. I'd like to kind of keep my own thing going here. We can deny Jesus. We can be like the soldiers, <laughs> temple guards who just don't care. They beat Jesus. Like some of the people that use Jesus' name in utterances of profanity, they don't care about Jesus. Who cares? He's, he's a nobody. We could be like Pilate who, who has this indifference to Jesus. Like, look, obviously, like you guys got an issue with this guy. I don't have an issue with this guy. Let him do his thing. Let me do my thing. It's sort of this indifference. Good Friday comes for many people, and it's just another day. Maybe it's a day off. Maybe it's a day to sit and watch sports. I don't know what you do, play games. But Pilate is faced with a a decision and a person that he needs to make deal with. He's indifferent. We could be like Herod, who once is curious about Jesus. But it's kind of like a circus show. He wants Jesus to come and, and to flip and to, you know, turn water into wine and you know, rocks into bread. And, okay, Jesus, you know, give me a magic show. And, and Jesus doesn't give him anything. And he kind of becomes bored with him, and he sends him, you know, sends him back to the pilot. Or, as we get closer to Jesus' death, we see the intensity of the interactions boiling to the surface. And the one that, that isn't given a lot of playtime but is there is this guy named Barabbas, this terrorist, murderer, right? Like, I mean, he's, he's a marked man. He is on the way to the gallows or to the cross himself, and suddenly the crowd is crying for his release in order that Jesus would die in his place. And, and Barabbas is the surprised survivor of Good Friday, the one person that absolutely did not deserve to live on Good Friday finds life. Maybe that's your experience today. You're going to come to Good Friday and be like, man, I I didn't deserve it, but I realized that Christ offered me something that I, I couldn't gain on my own. Barabbas. And then those, there's those criminals, right? Criminal number one is like, come on, you call yourself the Messiah? Do something! It's almost like this mockery. He doesn't really believe in Jesus, but there's an anger, there's a frustration, and then there's this other guy, criminal number two, who's like, come on, man, we're getting what we deserve, but he doesn't deserve this. And this criminal says, you know, would you just remember me, Jesus? He has this this last deathbed conversion, literally. There is nothing this criminal can do to please God except to put faith in Jesus Christ. What does Jesus say to the criminal? Today, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Good Friday reminds each of us, all of us, that there's nothing we bring to Jesus that earns us God's favor. No amount of good works, clean living, Bible memorization, church attendance, blah, 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 good works, you name it. Just add, you know, build a list. It doesn't matter. None of that does, counts for anything. This criminal reminds us that, yes, you know what? Simple faith, repentance, and belief in Jesus Christ brings you to that place of salvation. 
And then there's the, uh, the Roman officer. He's got no stake in this game whatsoever. He's just doing his job. He kills people. He, he oversees crucifixions every day. You know, it's just, I'm assigned to this post, okay? Another one down, throw him in the you know, pit, put another one out, put another one down. You know, this is, but then he gets to this one. He's like, this is not the same. No, this is different. In the NLT, it says, this man was innocent, but literally it's, this was a righteous man. I mean, criminal one and two, no, no. Barabbas, you know, and the, more, the normal riffraff that came to the cross were, were horrendous criminals, but he's like, this one is different. Some of the other gospel writers were, you know, this is the Son of God, Mark, I think, says. And I hope that all of us come to the cross today with that recognition. The last response is the crowd that leaves sad. And, you know, I don't want us to leave sad, but we need to understand the whole reason Jesus is there is not because of anything he did but it's because of what we have done. It's my sin that Jesus carries on the cross. Every lie I've committed, every angry moment, every time of greed and lust and lack of trust, every faithless moment, every time I refuse to do the right thing, times I've chosen to do the wrong thing, Christ died for my sins on the cross and for yours. And so we don't need to leave Good Friday sad. We can leave Good Friday glad that the price was paid for us on the cross. All these different responses to Jesus, but, but the, the purpose of the cross is for, to draw you to God and to understand that he took care of all of our sins in his body on the cross. The cross represents the death of Christ. It represents the sacrifice of Christ for sin once and for all, for my sin and for your sin. And so that's what we celebrate. So as we come to the end of the service, we're going to kind of rewind the story because before all this stuff that we read this morning happened, Jesus gathered the disciples together and he, he's, he's having the Passover meal. But he says, oh, by the way, the Passover meal isn't the Passover meal anymore because there's a new freedom that I'm going to bring you. The freedom that will come through my body and through my blood. In the past, the Lord delivered the Israelites out of Egypt with a strong and mighty hand. And now I'm going to deliver everyone in bondage to sin into freedom through my death on the cross. And so part of our tradition as a, as a church family is that we eat little pieces of bread and we drink little cups of juice to remind us because we're commanded to do this in the scriptures, to remind us as, a, as an act of remembrance and memorial to Jesus Christ, to say, yes, Jesus died for my sins. He rose again so that I could have life. My sin was placed upon Christ on the cross, and he took care of all of my sin debts. And now I'm free. But on Good Friday, I want you to remember the cost. He paid a big cost. He gave everything so that we could be free. You give him nothing to get salvation. He gives you everything. 
as a son and a daughter of, Jesus, of God and by faith through Jesus Christ, you begin to serve him with your heart and with your love. But, but what you offer him now is not for salvation. It's a reflection of the relationship you now have. But that relationship is initiated only through faith and completely based on the finished work of Christ on the cross. The death of Christ is important. Don't you ever forget it. Now, of course, we know there's a Sunday coming, but that's not what we're focusing on today. What we're focusing on today is Christ died for us. And when we partake of communion, we're remembering that. If you are not yet at a place where you, you believe this or, or you're convinced of it or you've stepped forward in faith to, to accept that, that's fine. You can just sit and watch us do this. This is a family meal. Parents, it's essential that you know that your children know this, have articulated it verbally. If they've not done that to you, then this is not for them to participate in. Take them home and give them a snack after. This is not snack time. This is communion. This is the body and blood of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you came here today and you're walking in willful disobedience to God, you know you're sinning, you haven't stopped sinning, you like your sin, you, you know, Christ is willing to forgive you your sin, but if, if you're not willing to bring it to him, then this is not the table for you either. But all of us are sinners. All of us blew it last week, somewhere. The Word of God says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so today we come, I just encourage you to confess your sin to the Lord. Come to Him in the, in the, in the cleanness and the righteousness and the forgiveness that He offers because of the cross and partake with us. This is the unifying moment for our church family. We are brothers and sisters because of this. For no other reason are we, are we together, this group of people in one room, except that Christ died for us. So in a moment, I'm going to invite you forward. If you're not able to come forward, you're not comfortable coming forward, I also have a young man at the back that has uh, the communion elements that he can bring to you. So just stay where you are, just raise your hand or get his eye contact. He'll be kind of roaming around. But others that are believers in Jesus Christ forgiven by his blood, come and receive the bread and the cup. And then grab them, sit down, and then we'll partake together after everyone has had a chance to receive. Today, we're going to do it differently. We're coming out the middle. Because why? Because you're approaching the cross. You'll receive the bread here, and then you'll circle around whichever side you're on, and you'll grab a cup of juice, and then you'll return to your seats. If, again, you're not comfortable doing that, that's fine. We do have someone that's floating around that will hand you a, a little disposable one that has a little wafer and a, a, a cup of juice in there so you can stay seated. Because this, this is not a, you know, this, this doesn't get you any favor with God. It's just an opportunity for you to come forward, come to the cross on Good Friday, acknowledge that, yes, Christ died for my sins, and I am partaking in his body and his blood today as part of the, the body of Christ. We're unified because of what Christ did for us us on the cross. So I would encourage you to take a moment of silence. Prepare your heart for communion. I'm going to invite uh, the team to come and prepare to distribute the, the elements. Um, and uh, God is so delighted to have you as his child today. Christ loves you so much. And you come and take part of this bread and this cup, remembering what he did for you. 
And so when you're ready, you can come forward, grab, they'll hand out a little piece of bread here, Sheila and Tammy, and then you can grab your own cup and then head to the outside, back to your seat. If you're not comfortable getting up, you'd like to stay where you are, I've got the young man, Zeke, at the back there. He'll, he'll be floating around and prepared to distribute as, as needed. If you're not quite ready to do this today, that's fine. Just sit and watch and, and enjoy. Graham eventually will lead us in a song that we can kind of meditate on Christ as we come to the communion together. And so let's pray as we prepare our hearts for communion. We thank you, Father, for sending Jesus to be our Savior. For giving us your Holy Spirit and in triune God, you receive all glory and praise today. And as we partake of this moment of communion, unify us around our Savior, Jesus Christ, and his cross and that he died for us. May this be a time of spiritual encouragement and nourishment for us as we ground ourselves in the significant truth of the death of Christ on the cross for our sins. So thank you that we can celebrate this together this morning. Be glorified. Thank you that we're forgiven. Lord, forgive us. We blew it this week. We didn't do the right thing. We did the wrong thing. We confess those sins to you. We look to you for your forgiveness and your cleansing. We come before you clean now because of what Christ did for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When you're ready, please, please come.
for the cross, my friend. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, my friend. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross, my friend. Thank you for the cross. time the disciples had no idea what was going on but now that we've read the whole story we know what was going on Christ in his body and through his blood was about to make the once and for all sacrifice for sin and finish and finish the work once and for all later as the church began and grew this became a regular occurrence for them, a habitual practice because it, it was, this is what grounds us together. We don't go to this, to this temple anymore to offer animals because Christ died once and for all. 
for every tribe, for every nation, for every skin color, every nationality, men and women, Christ died for everyone. And we proclaim that death today. It says, as they were eating, Jesus took some of the bread and blessed it. Would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, for the bread that reminds us of the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That he became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We eat this bread in appreciation and in deep thanksgiving that he is our perfect substitute. He died in our place. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. He says, he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. Let's remember our Savior together. He took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God. Let's pray for the wine, for the cup of juice that reminds us of Christ's blood. Thank you, Lord, that you sent your Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That through the shedding of his blood today, we are forgiven in your sight and declared righteous through the sacrifice that he made on the cross for us. And this blood is a reminder. This little cup of juice reminds us of that blood which, which carried the life of Jesus Christ, which was offered for our sins. He died so that we could have life. And we drink of this juice remembering the spiritual and eternal life that we have in Jesus Christ today. Thank you, Jesus. He said, each of you, drink from it. For this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Mark my words, I will not drink wine again until the day I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Let us remember our Savior's sacrifice for us. Which brings us to the last movement, the bloody, beaten, and bruised body of Jesus Christ is taken off the cross. What kind of king is this? He doesn't even look like a king anymore. There's nothing royal about his appearance as they wrap his body and prepare it for burial. But we know something's coming. Hear the words of Luke as he describes this in verse 50 of Luke chapter 23. Now there was a good and righteous man named Joseph. He was a member of the Jewish high council, but had not agreed with the decision and the actions of the other religious leaders. He was from the town of Arimathea in Judea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God to come. He went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Then he took the body down from the cross and wrapped it in a long sheet of linen cloth and laid it in a new tomb that had been carved out of a rock. This was done late on Friday afternoon, the day of preparation, as a Sabbath was about to begin. Let's stand and sing. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they crucified my Lord? 
makes me to tremble, tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? silence as we end our service. We honor you, O Lord, our King, Jesus Christ, Savior forever. Be honored in our family celebrations as we leave here. But we give you the praise and the glory that is due only to you. You are the lamb that was slain for the salvation of the world. And we walk in freedom and newness of life because of you today. Thank you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. See you Sunday.